Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 to 52. Uh, We continue in the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. It makes me laugh this. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho, that's interesting, isn't it? That tells you such a lot. And they came to Jericho, and the next line is, and as they were leaving Jericho. So we don't know what happened in Jericho, except Jesus was there with his disciples for a while. And as, they were le- as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, uh, and a great crowd, and a bl- Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. It's a fairly straightforward sort of story of a man being healed by by Jesus. It's not very long. It doesn't give a great deal of detail, Uh, certainly not a lot of extra detail. It's, 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 It's just the bare bones of the story. But let's see what we can learn and even enter into this morning. So I have three points. As usual, the man, what did he know and what do we know? So the man. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar. In those times, it would be very common to see people begging on the streets. If you go to certain parts of the world, it's still common today. And while it horrifies us, it actually doesn't horrify that culture. It's just, in many cultures, that's just part of life. Day after day, his life would have been exactly the same. Same routine. He probably had his favorite spot where he sat as as people were exiting and entering Jericho. And so it would be the same every day except for the Sabbath when he'd probably have a day off. He lived in Jericho. Probably his family had lived there for generations. And we don't know if he had a wife or children. We don't even know if his parents were still alive. But we do know that he was the son of a man called Timaeus. Putting the bar in front just means son of. You might think, well, yeah, tell me something. But it's good to unpack. It's good to have a read. It's good to look at what detail there is there. It's likely that Bartimaeus had been born able to see because the ESV has it that that he asked Jesus that he would recover his sight. I don't think the NIV translates it that way, but as far as I've looked into it, it seems to be more accurate to say, can I recover my sight? The main thing we know about Bartimaeus is that he wanted to see again. Now, that might be obvious, but it never ceases to amaze me just how how many people, they kind of get used to uh, dealing with and adapting to the problems of life that they're, they're living with. It nearly becomes their identity and, and even security in, in living with their problem. Anybody ever know what I'm talking about here? Yeah, we kind of, you know, this is who I am. Um, 
It could be a, a physical issue, an emotional issue, a mental issue, a relational issue, or a spiritual issue, uh, or, or a mixture of all. But we, we so easily finish up defining ourselves um, how we are with our problem, with our difficulty. For him, I'm, I'm blind. That, that shaped who he was. That shaped his identity if he wasn't cared for. In John 5, verses uh, 1 to 9, we have the story of a man uh, laying by the pool of Bethesda. And we're, we're told that this man had been an invalid for 38 years. And he was lying there alongside many other invalids. And Jesus says to this man, do you want to be healed? And as the man responds positively, Jesus heals him. I, I wonder how many this morning here... Um, handling problems and damage in your lives, whether it be physical or emotional or mental or relational or spiritual, I wonder how many, you're so used to it, you need to be asked if God wants you to heal, wants to heal you. You're so used to it. You kind of get so used to your condition that it becomes part of you. And, you, do, you know, people say, go for healing. And you go, oh, yeah, I don't have any problems. And yet you're living with something all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's kind of how we are, isn't it? None of us are immune to the problems of life. We live in a, a, a fallen, broken world. One day we'll be restored. But until then, it's a mess. And people living in it are vulnerable to all sorts of stuff that affects our bodies. I... I I think it's a hereditary blood pressure condition. I think it killed my grandma. My dad nearly died when he was about late 40s, and he's 92, and he's still alive. But, but the blood pressure problem, they discovered mine uh, in 1990, and I've been, since 1990, uh, living on blood pressure tablets every day, uh, and I'm fine, and it's so much part of you that you don't, you just keep taking the tablets. Anybody else? And, yeah, you, know, you know what I mean? Oh, a lot of hands popping up now. That's just how it is. We can't imagine being any other way. Don't know what it would feel like, perhaps, not to have the problem. And so the question Jesus asks, he asked the man, do you want to be healed or not? It's a very valid question. We'd think, well, everybody wants to be healed. Really? Perhaps not. Perhaps I'm safer being like I am. See, for, 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 for Bartimaeus, this, this was, he, was, he, was blind. He, he could sit by the roadside begging every day. But as soon as his eyes were opened, he wouldn't be able to sit begging every day. He would, he would have to take on responsibility and maybe get a job and do something else. With healing comes responsibility. With healing comes choices to be made. With change comes all of those things. Do you, yeah? It's not, it doesn't sit in isolation. It didn't for the invalid by the pool, and it didn't for Bartimaeus. See, Jesus knows about people. We think it's obvious what people want. Jesus knows about people. He knows we're inclined to settle for life as it is. Increasingly so as we get older. Who's older? I won't, no, no. You know how we kind of settle for life as it is? We've been around so long. Well, that's how it is. And to some extent, yeah, that's how it is, living in a fallen world. That's part of it. However, however, there's something in me as I get older. You know that, that uh, 
I'll tell you a story in a minute. Uh, something in me thinks, do I have to settle for getting old? Gene always says, stop saying you're old. And so I wince and worry and fret because she's telling me not to tell people I'm getting old. But you can get to the point where you settle for, for life. A lady for me, I, 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 it's just a, a, an appointment at the hospital, nothing much, just to check on something. And I, 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 this lonely lady phoned me to, to make the appointment, and she phoned up and she said, could I speak to Paul Woodward, please? And I'm speaking. She said, um, excuse me, are you 65? I said, yes. Wow, you don't sound like it. You sound like a young man. And I was thinking, yeah, hallelujah, that's great. That was, and that was from a stranger on the phone. It was very odd. Just this week or last week, I was thinking, well, yes. I don't have to settle. I think there's a reason why when you read Scripture, all these guys only got going in their 80s. Now, you know, we're all going to, unless Jesus comes, we're all going to wear out. We're all going to die. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not being silly. But you can die vigorously or you can die and give up. I want to be vigorous as much as I'm able. I want to have some life in me until I get to glory. Jesus, Jean's laughing now. She's thinking I've got no life in me anyway. I can just feel it, see? <laughs> Laughing a lot now. <laughs> Don't settle. Don't settle. There's life to be lived. Don't settle. Well, this is just how it is. Born into this family, you know, what do I expect? Hey, once you're born again, you're a child of the living God. There's all sorts of possibilities. Life's bursting with potential for those who will contend with it, with, contend with God in faith. Bartimaeus wasn't going to settle. He's a man on a mission. No settling for blindness for him, no staying a beggar all his life. He wanted change at any cost, even if people told him to shut up. He's going to go for it. So what did he know that motivated that behavior? Well, obviously the, this, he knew he was blind. What, what, you know, so, some of us have many problems, but not perhaps as obvious as that. Sometimes we don't even face up to what we have, so we just ignore it and hope it goes away. He, he knew that he could make a reasonable living begging. People would take pity on him. He'd have enough to live on. He'd be okay. I guess he knew many other things, but what he also knew about was a man called Jesus. Bartimaeus had heard about Jesus. The reputation of Jesus must have spread far and wide across the country. And, and Jesus, you know, he often said to people when he healed them, now don't tell anybody. That didn't work, did it? News about Jesus, we would say it had gone viral. Right? Not the language of the scripture, but it's gone viral. Everybody's talking about Jesus from town after town after town. It's Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? He's healing the sick. He's even raising the dead. This is amazing. This man, this Jesus, wow. He'd heard about him. 
I guess you're here this morning because you heard about Jesus. Yeah? Hallelujah. Bartimaeus would have heard the crowds talking on this momentous day. Jesus is coming. Just noise increasing, people. Jesus is coming with his disciples. You can imagine them saying, he's 20 minutes away. He'll be here soon. Can, can, can you imagine the story, the picture? It's like, wow. This guy said, I've heard, this man, the one I've heard about, he's coming, and he's coming right past me. What am I going to do? How am I going to respond? Am I going to say, oh, that's nice. Here's a moment. A moment in time. You can grab it or let it pass you by. He would have heard how Jesus had opened the eyes of the blind that came to him. I can imagine him saying to himself, I'm told Jesus heals everyone who asks him, so he must be willing to heal me too. It's not like he healed a few. We read time and time again, Jesus healed all who came to him. There's only one instance in Scripture where we're told that Jesus couldn't heal people, and that was for the lack of faith of, of the community around him. And I also think there was a, another reason why Bartimaeus persisted in getting to Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He knew who Jesus was. Yes, he'd heard the reputation. There's a rabbi, there's a teacher. He's healing the sick, he's even raising the dead. He's doing amazing miracles. It's incredible. But this, he knew who Jesus was. He cries out, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David, have Mercy on me. Why did he call Jesus the son of David? To call Jesus the son of David was to say that Jesus was the Messiah. Everybody would have known that. To say, Jesus, son of David, says, here's the Messiah. I'm calling on you, the Messiah, Jesus. That news hadn't gone viral. Do you remember when he asked the disciples, some say this, who am I? Some say that. Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, that was revealed to you by the Father. People saw Jesus in the main as a good guy, a healer, a rabbi, a good teacher. But, but Bartimaeus knew who Jesus was. He says, but, but he's not just a good guy. There are some things that come by revelation from God, and I think this is one of those times. He's calling out to the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the one who all, the, all of the Old Testament points to. And so he starts shouting, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. On me. I'm here. Hundreds and hundreds of people. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I'm here. Me. 
Imagine thinking, forget about them a minute. Me! Son of David! Over here! As he did that, he would be causing huge offense to the priests and the rabbis and the religious people. The crowds are shocked. Shut up! Be quiet! You can't call Jesus that! You mustn't call Jesus the Messiah! Don't do that. So what's he do? Spurs him on all the more. He says, blow you. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. There's people thinking, oh my, what do we do with this guy? What do we do with this guy? Shut up. And he just keeps shouting louder and louder. Kind of, in my imagination, imagine him stumbling among the crowd with a white stick in hand, battering people over their head, hitting them, just clearing the space. However, the, the text doesn't say that, because it, it actually says that he removed his cloak and, and got up. So it's probably likely he was seated, but there's something about this guy's intensity. There's something about this guy said, I'm not settling. I'm not settling for not seeing Jesus. I'm not settling. The Messiah's here. This might be my only moment in all of my life. This might be the only moment. I'm going to grab it with both hands. Wow. Wow. There's something. There's something exciting about that. I love it. I love it. I'm naturally the sort of guy who likes to hide in the crowd. I'm naturally the sort of guy who likes to sit in the corner. I'm naturally the sort of guy who would not be at the front. I'm not, I'm not like him. I would, I would struggle. How often, you know, when people talk to me about God and Jesus, they say, well, I have this problem, but God knows my number. He can heal me if he likes. Ever heard people say that? Oh, if, if God wants to say something, he knows my number, he can... He can heal me if he wants to. In the meantime, I'll just get on. But Jesus responds to faith. He responds to faith, to tenacity. Jesus, I'm here. Blow them for a minute. I'm here. You're the son of David. You're the Messiah. Jesus, have mercy on me. Oh, how I want to be that guy. Oh, how I want to be that guy in my Christian walk. Oh, how I want to be that guy as, as we go to Africa. How I want to be that guy as we get involved in Turkey and other nations. How I want to be that guy where I can go and stir other people who will call out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on our nation. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on my city, on my town. I want to be the guy who stirs people up to do that. So there's thousands of people standing in the crowd, jumping up, jostling for positions, saying, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Don't you want to be that? How, how, how much I want Jubilee, us to be standing. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on Middlesbrough. Have mercy on Teesside. Jesus, Son of David, we need you here. We need you here now. Don't we? And so we go, oh, well, God can do what he likes when he wants. Of course he can. But there's something about contending with God. There's something about faith that requires something from us. Yeah?
and he gets the, the attention of Jesus. Jesus says to the disciples, call him. Call him, bring him over. And we're told some positive people in the crowd are saying, hey, cheer up. He's heard you. Cheer up, it's okay. Stop shouting now, he's heard you. He wants, he wants to see you. Again, it's not in the text, but I, I, I know people a little bit. And in a crowd, you have positive people and negative people. Don't we? And I can imagine the pessimists in the crowd saying, he wants to see you. You've done it now. He's going to tell you personally to shut up. <laughs> Seriously, that, see, that's how we go, isn't it? Oh, well, oof. See how we judge when we see passion, when we see people are desperate, we kind of say, yeah, 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 they'll learn. They'll learn. They'll learn not to be an idiot. They'll learn not to draw attention to themselves. They'll learn. And others are commending them. Well done. Well done. We live in, in the UK, you know, in a negative, by and large, a negative culture. I'm told in America it's very different. I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm told it's very different. People who succeed in America, you know, they'll say, well done. You've done really well. People succeed here, we want to tear them down. We want to point out the negative. We want to tell them what they haven't done. Different cultures have different things. By and large, we are negative. We want to pull down. As soon as anybody does any profile, we want to pull down. There's some dreadful stuff in the papers, all this abuse stuff and, and, and all the rest of it. And absolutely, it's right that it's unearthed. But oh, how we like that, oddly enough. We love to find out. We love to prove that people have got feet of clay. We love to prove that people haven't done well, or as, as well as we thought. We love it. But when people do really, really well, when people are really, we, you know what? We want to find what's really wrong. We want to find their, their weakness. We don't hear that in the crowd. But I want to be somebody who says, well done. He's heard you. Cheer up. It's okay. Oh, I want to be a person like that, don't you? I believe the people of God should be that sort of person, not pointing out people's failings, but encouraging people to pursue Jesus. That's our calling, to transform society, to change the culture, to be the most positive people. You see, we should be the most positive people on the planet because we're the, we're the sons of God. We're the children of God. What's Jesus going to say? Here he comes. He's been shouting. Is Jesus going to tell him to shut up as well? All Jesus said is, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? You know, sometimes we can shout so hard, Jesus, 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 when he gets there, he says, yes, and what would you like? I, I don't know. I'm supposed to shout, you know. It's good to know what you want. It's good to know what you're asking for. I, I often think sometimes we, we struggle with a lack of answers to prayer because we're so vague about what we're asking for. Just bless us. 
Yes, I know that. What are you asking for? What do you want me to do for you? And his simple, honest reply is, Rabbi, that I may recover my sight. And there's a simple, simple response from Jesus. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. Instantly he recovers his sight, and then he goes on with the crowds following Jesus. What what an incredible moment. What do we make of that then? Your faith has made you well. The man's persistence in pursuing Jesus, however much he was opposed, showed that the man had faith. You see, faith, his faith, had expressed itself in action. Faith is like that. Faith is active, not passive. Faith is active, not passive. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, now faith is the assurance, or if you read the King James, the, the, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction, again, or evidence, the authorized has it, of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith says, Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died for me. I will, I will put my trust in him. I am born again. Faith said, I, I can ask him, and he wants to answer my prayer. Faith says, he has a destiny for me to fulfill. Faith says, I can step out trusting him. Faith says, I can go out of my comfort zone. Faith says, I can go out of my comfort zone, not because I'm going to feel comfortable, but because I'm relying on the one who has all power, all glory, all majesty, the perfect one, and I'm born again and I'm his child. Faith is active, not passive. I'm sure Barnabas had all sorts of emotions, even doubts going on, but he wasn't going to let them hold him back. He wasn't going to stop and analyze the situation he had a moment. He had a moment in time. He, rest, he risked rejection and disappointment because everything he'd heard about Jesus led him to believe it was worth the risk. Well, it's just worth the risk. Don't you think? What, what, why do we go to Africa? I grew up as a little boy longing to go and be a missionary and didn't become one. I'm no hero. You read the exploits of the the heroes who do all sorts of amazing things, and you go, wow. Something in you thinks, I'd like to be that. It's a bit like watching telly or or a comic strip, and you read it and go, oh, yes, and you aspire to greatness. But you know inside, it's just a, oh, well, it's a pipe dream. It's like, I'd love to be. But then you meet Jesus, and there you're dead to believe that, you know what, he has a destiny for each of us, and it's greater, and it's more. And God's looking for people who will contend with him in faith, who will grab hold of him and say, God, God, you said this. I dare to believe you. I dare to take the risk. And you know, sometimes I'll fall flat on my face, and sometimes I'll be ridiculed, and sometimes it'll all go wrong, and sometimes we'll look stupid. But it's worth the risk because it's Jesus we're coming to. That's the Christian life. I say to people, say, well, I, I don't know where to put my trust in Jesus. Look, it's worth the risk because you'll never lose. You'll never lose. I don't have to persuade you how nice God is. God's loving you. He sent Jesus, his son, to die for you. I don't have to persuade you. I'm telling you. 
He's there for you today. He died for you on a cross today. You get born again today by choice. Put your trust in Jesus as an act of your will. It's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. Jesus opened the eyes of the blind. He healed the sick. He set people free from demonic oppression everywhere he went. Bartimaeus could see no reason why this time would be any different. And he comes to Jesus with faith, and that faith opened the door to him being able to receive healing. Faith opens the door. Faith doesn't heal you. Faith opens the door for you to receive healing from God. All healing comes from God. It doesn't come from, you know, there's, there's no, it's not like, oh, if, I, if I try and believe hard enough, it'll happen. No, no, that's, that's stupid. That's not faith. People say, oh, I just name it and claim it. No, that's not faith. Faith trusts in God. Faith says, I lay hold of this. I believe you. And therefore, I dare to believe as I walk this way, my faith opens the door for me to receive all that God has for me. There's some of you in this room, God has so much more for you. But it's not, it's not fatalistic. It's not going to happen. You can have all the pro- prophecies in the world, but unless your faith becomes active, unless you take steps, unless you do something with it, you'll sit all your days thinking, I've got a big prophetic word over my life. Really, will you take it to glory? I don't say that to condemn. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's about faith. It's about coming to God in faith, daring to believe. Take the risk. You can't lose. Yeah, you might look an idiot, but that's all right. Who am I trying to impress anyway? So my last point, what do we know? How's our faith this morning? How, how's your faith what do we know? We know about ourselves, our weakness, our frailty, where we're carrying these ongoing medical conditions. As I said earlier, we know in many cases we'll be okay if we keep taping, taking the tablets. And I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way despising medication. Praise God, I'm not going to stop taking my tablets unless a doctor tells me to, and then he might be wrong. I'm not not despising medication. What I'm saying is I'm trying to lift us out of just settling to daring to believe God for things. And this isn't just about a moment in time this morning. This is about developing a whole attitude of faith that contends with God till we see breakthrough. We're not people who sit by the roadside begging. We each live our lives in a certain way, some employed, some not employed. To a greater or lesser extent, we each know ourselves. But you see, we too, like Bartimaeus, we, we've heard about Jesus, haven't we? We sung about him this morning. But we, we know even more than Bartimaeus did. Yes, Bartimaeus knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but we know even more. Because we live in the light of history. We know that Jesus is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity. The perfect one who gave himself up to death on the cross 
to pay the price for our sin. We know that. We know that on the cross, as the blood of Jesus was shed, the power of sin and death was broken once and for all time. And that because of that, we can be forgiven, made righteous, and healed. We know that, don't we? Do we? Read the book. We know that. We know that today, Jesus is healing people all over the world. Today. It's not just stories. Today, Jesus is healing people all over the world. We know that the church is growing today all over the world. Do you know? Here's a few statistics right up to date. I got these from Dave Stroud, who leads Christ Church London. Every week, 3,500 churches start worldwide. Every week. Churches now exist in every nation on earth. Hallelujah. That's amazing. Churches exist in every nation on earth. In some formerly unreached parts of the world, people have be- have co- more people have come to faith in the last 25 years than in the entire history of Christian mission. The last 25 years, in my lifetime, more people have come to Jesus than at any time in Christian history. What days we live in. In 1900, the Protestant church didn't exist in Korea. Today, there are 7,000 churches alone in Seoul, the capital city. 7,000 in one city. And some of those churches are half a million strong. Small churches in, in Korea would be a couple of thousand. Astonishing, absolutely astonishing what God's done. In China, the growth is so explosive, there will soon be more followers of Jesus there than in any other nation on earth. Wow. <laughs> that, you know what? That's incredible. Think about it. More followers of Jesus in China very soon than any other nation on earth. More than in the USA. Wow. In India, 14 million of the lowest caste have now come to faith in Jesus. Across Africa, membership of churches is increasing by 34,000 a day. In Africa, 34,000 a day are being born again in Africa, joining church. That's 238,000 a month. Wow. Imagine, imagine that coming to Stockton and, and Middlesbrough. Teesside would be transformed in a month. Now, okay, this is a continent. But God is at work. It's a, he's at work, and he's at work because people are contending with him in faith. People are giving their lives. My friend in Africa called Ernest, those of you at the prayer week will have saw that, his, his wife, I could have put the, the slide up actually, his, his wife died last October. Quite suddenly, He's left with three young children. And he, he, he does a whole training school and leads a church and travels the country. And now he's, he's, he, needs, he now has no money to put his kids through education because his wife used to work and he needs a thousand pounds to get them through this year. And he's, he's praying for that. And what else he's praying for? Another wife. 
because he needs another wife. That's, that's not wrong. He's asking God. He's contending with God in faith for another wife. Bless him. He's paid the price and he's faithfully going on. He's faithfully going on, preaching the gospel, training leaders, equipping leaders, needing Bibles. He, they keep bringing leaders through and leaders through who have no Bibles. They're ready. They're ready to go into the bush. They're ready to go off into the different rural communities and start telling people about Jesus. They don't even have a Bible. They might only have a little bit of it. People are contending in faith with Jesus to see their nation transformed, to see the world transformed, to see the glory of the Lord come and cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We contend in faith with God for that because we are his people on earth today. That's what we're a part of. Doesn't that kind of... I love it, man. I just love it. I had the the joy of uh, meeting a couple of guys yesterday morning from Switzerland who are friends of Sarush and Mavash who they met Sarush they, they got, these Christian guys went out to, to Iran when Sarush was 15 and they got involved with Sarush then and uh, I met with them yesterday morning and these guys keep going back into Iran to share the gospel they're planting churches all over Switzerland and I just felt it was an open door. I, they've got my card. I just think, God, what? Just uh, These guys who just, you contend in faith and dare to believe the word of God works. You dare to believe that wherever you set your foot, God's going to work because you're his and you're there for purpose. You dare to believe. You dare to believe when you go to Yalava. You're not just going to go and help a few Iranians out. You go to make a difference. You go to dare to believe that the God Almighty is with you in that place for purpose. You dare to believe it. You contend with God. We know more about Jesus than Bartimaeus did. And look what happened to him. Bartimaeus had to wait. He had to wait until Jesus was passing by. That final 20 minutes must have been like forever. Guess what? We don't have to wait until Jesus comes. We don't have to wait for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He's here right now. Bang, he's here. We don't have to plead with him. We don't, he's here. He's poured out. He's given. The Spirit of Christ is here right now. How's your faith? Jesus loves to heal. He loves to restore, and you and I are no exception. As we come to Jesus this morning saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. His simple question will be this. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And I believe God wants to do some things for us this morning, especially healing. And I want us to receive from Jesus this morning. But, but it's not just about this morning. It's, it's the start of a journey for a number of us, about contending with God in faith for breakthrough. Just have a feel. I just felt God put this in my heart. And I'm going to do things a bit differently. I, I don't want us to start praying for one another or ministering to one another. I don't want the ministry team to come. I don't want anybody to pray for anybody. I don't want any hands placed upon anybody. Not yet, anyway. But I want each of us, everyone in the room, to come before Jesus personally 
And just before we do, just say, God, and just get your heart right and then say, because Jesus is going to say to you, what do you want me to do for you? Have you got an answer? Don't come with your shopping list. Well, I've got a list, actually. I've got all these. No, don't come with a shopping list. What is the thing you want Jesus to do for you today? We're going to take a few moments just to settle that question. And once we've done that, I'm going to encourage some active faith. And the act of faith would be to get out your chair and come and stand at the front and down the sides. No one's going to pray for you. When those of us who are using active faith get up and do that, I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll finish. The band will come back for worship. There'll be opportunity for prayer if you need prayer later. But right now, I just felt God say, don't, don't get caught up. You know, sometimes when people are praying for us, can come here, Simon, a minute. You know, we, this isn't no... no I'm not despising praying for people. What happens is you start to pray. They say, what do you want? And they'll sit and you start to pray. And they're going, come on, God, you need to pray because this guy's desperate. (laughs) God, you need to move because I want to please the person praying for me. Before long, it all gets a bit much, and especially if the person gets a bit, you know, come on, and starts pushing you about a bit. Have you ever had that? You know, and, and now I'm not despising laying hands on people, but you know when it says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, just do that. Because the only one... It's not, it's not through striving. It's just through saying, Jesus, let the door of faith be open and let healing come. Okay, thanks. Just, you see what I'm trying? I'm just trying to break something that we kind of get ever so bogged down in our, in our, on our, on our sort of charismatic methods. <laughs> Jesus heals the sick in all sorts of ways. Are we up for that? So let's take a few minutes to sit in silence. don't want anybody to pray out loud. I don't want anybody to do anything out loud, and I don't want anybody to pray for anything. I just want to sit in silence for a couple of minutes because the question Jesus is about to ask us is, what do you want me to do for you today? Okay? Lord, in your, in your mercy, would you, would you just help us clarify our thinking? Just come to that place of saying, it's this I need. Just help, help us with that, Lord. Holy Spirit, just now, just help us clear our thoughts. We respond to you, Lord Jesus. We, we love you, Lord Jesus. Maybe physical healing. It may be another situation, but I particularly felt God talk about healing today. But it's not restricted to that. Okay, when when you know you can answer that question, I would like you to do something which is an active response and just come to Jesus with it. 
and say nobody's going to talk to you and nobody's going to lay hands on you but I just would like us to do something and I'd like you to, I'm not going to ask everybody to stand because I'm going to ask people if, you, if you're serious about being active get up out your chair and come and stand at the front or the sides I don't, I don't really care we're not on public display this is just a faith response to Jesus and so let's begin to do that And stay in the aisles or go around the side. It really, it doesn't matter. It's, it, nobody has to get to you right now. Lord, we stand before you this morning, and we're standing here as an act of faith. We're coming to you, each answering the question, and we bring to you our request. We come with faith, and we say, Lord, as, as, you, as, as, as that, the faith of Bartimaeus opened the door for him to be healed, I, 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 pray, I pray for the door, the door of faith to open up healing to us, as we've never known it before. I pray for the things that we've mentioned to be broken and changed, for healing to come. I ask you to do that, Holy Spirit. I invite you to do the work of Jesus amongst us. And Lord, we know we despise ministering to one another, but right now we're coming to Jesus. I said, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. Ordinary people, broken people, hurting people, damaged people. Have mercy on us, Lord, because we come to you. We come to you because you're Jesus, because you're the Messiah, because you're the Savior. And we're asking you. We're asking you for healing. We're asking you. Now just start receiving. Come, Holy Spirit. So that sense of start receiving your healing. A sense of him just coming to rest on individual. There's not a right way or a wrong way to behave at this moment. Just be you. Don't have to worry about pleasing anybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him. I just feel it's, you, you are not the exception to the rule. Your healing is as available to you as it was to, Bar to Bartimaeus. You're no exception to Jesus. Jesus healed everybody who came to him. Why would he not heal his people? Of course he heals us. We're going to have to contend with it because we live in a, in a whole culture of unbelief. And so it isn't just now. I'm going to encourage you to go away from this and keep contending and asking for faith to grow until you can lay hold of this for yourself. Take it because healing's here for you. Healing's here for you this morning not somewhere else. It's not a long way off. Healing is here for you this morning. We receive gladly, Lord. 
Lord, where our faith is weak, give us a gift of faith. But we're here. We've actually exercised faith because we're standing here. We've come to you. We've done something. And we're, we're saying, Lord, no disrespect. We've done something, and we're here, and we can't do any more. It's all down to you now. Because you're God and we're not. But we receive gladly. We say, God, right now, I pray you start doing stuff in our bodies and in our hearts and in our lives. And I pray in this week, in the coming weeks, there'll be change and transformation. And we'll look back on this day and think, wow, something happened. It may be a while before we're aware. It may not be straightforward as that blind eyes open. I don't know. But you will know after today, if you're responding in faith, you know something will change. Something will change in your whole being. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. We exalt you. Jesus, you are mighty. You are holy. You're awesome. Isn't he good? Would the band come back, please? Because we're going to worship. We're going to worship and we're going to give him praise and we're going to say thank you. And I guess reports will come in as they come in. But don't let this be the end of contending in faith. For some, this will be the beginning of a journey. (coughs) For some, this will be the beginning of a journey. But thank him for it. Don't forget to say thank you. Yeah? Free to stay where you are or go back as you want. I'm going to sing now. Give him some glory finish the meeting. And at the end of the meeting, while we're having tea and coffee, if you'd really like someone to pray with you, there'll be some people, ministry team out here, on my right to pray with you. Sorry. Sorry.